Uh, so Revelation, you might never have heard of the book or the words, um, but just turn to people around you. What are your first thoughts when you hear of the book of Revelation? Um, and before you do that, just to put this into context, we were chatting about Revelation over lunch um, the other day, just as you do, and just got us chatting about the stuff we think of sometimes, got me thinking, so I started reading it again, so you have the benefit of some of my slightly random thoughts this morning. Revelation, what do you think when, when I say Revelation, what do you think? Have a little chat together. So this might be completely new to you or those of about sort of my rough age, you might have um, heard things way back when about numbers, certain numbers and signs of the beast and beasts with certain numbers of horns and barcodes for me when we were growing up. Apparently barcodes were the sign of the beast, uh, apparently. So I have no idea how that came about. Um, apparently barcodes are based on 666. Did you realize that? There you go. Um, and we heard about uh, how certain music was bad and certain people, apparently it was Henry Kissinger in my day, were the Antichrist. Because if you spell his name in a certain way and, so I don't know, shut your eyes and clap your hands six times, his name spells Antichrist. Um, that's kind of sometimes our experience of the book of Revelation. Isn't it? Sometimes. We're not going there today. You'll be very glad to know. I'm starting right at chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. And the whole book, really, the whole book is Jesus revealing himself to us. And if, if there's nothing else from this morning, let's just please pray and hear the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, revealing something of Christ, revealing something of Jesus to us this morning, without perhaps some of the sideshow that we create for ourselves in this book. So I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1, and I'm going from, what verse am I going from? 9, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, thank you. Uh, It says this, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Um, On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing at a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance." When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. When he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Quite a long passage with no apology. Um, It's a slightly tricky book, this. So um, it's just, it's full of picture image, um, it's apocalyptic language. The whole thing is, is different to a lot of the rest of the Bible and all good. Um, but it, it's likely written by John. In fact, it was written by John, um, as in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and often we place this in our minds, this book, right at the end of everything, when in fact, really, this is like John part two. It, it's like Acts follows Luke, this follows John. So everything that John wrote about who Jesus was kind of crescendos 
into this book. We're, quite, we're better to read it like a second part of John. And, and I love what John is trying to show us here, what God really is trying to show us about himself. So let's try to pick out three things. The first is this. This is Jesus revealed to us. What, what do you know about who Jesus is? I'm going to get you chatting again because it just it makes my life easier. Why, why don't you just tell each other a little bit about who you think Jesus is or what he's like to you and perhaps even how you know that. What is Jesus like? How do you know that? Just have a little conversation if you can. And if you're talking about coffee, that's fine. What's Jesus like? And how do you know? If you're wondering, I just thought we could come and sit and listen. It's not kind of my style. It could be worse. I asked um, the young business group this week what their purpose in life was. and they were like, mm. I came here for pizza and a beer, actually, Phil. But there we are. Um, this, is, this book is trying to help us understand something of who Jesus really, really is to us. So we're going to spend a few minutes, just, just a few minutes, teasing out here um, who Jesus is and what he's like. And then I might pause again and pray that he reveals himself to us perhaps in quite a powerful way this morning. And he might. We'll see. Uh, part two is how we then reveal Jesus to others. Because revelation is twofold. He reveals himself to us. We reveal him to others. And then we'll see where we go with part three. So first, Jesus reveals. What is Jesus like? What is Jesus like? I'm very tempted to tell you, but you can tell me. What's he like? Feel free to yell out. This is your moment. He's kind. He's an example. What's he like? He's a friend. Dear friend. Yeah. He's good. He's powerful. Perfect. Good listener. Radical. Understanding. Full of grace and mercy. I can hear there, Tim, at the back there. Yeah. So we've got some idea, haven't we? Here's, here's more of an idea of who Jesus is. Um, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has always been, is now, and always forever will be. And that is something right in the book of Revelation. He just is. And if you remember John's gospel, do you know it's nearly Christmas? (laughs) I was going to get booed then. It will soon be Christmas. It won't soon be Christmas. Um, right, you know, the classic Bible passages we read at Christmas or hear at Christmas as the kids are dressing up and everything else often includes um, the, be- the beginning of John's gospel, doesn't it? At the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... Uh, and the light shone and so on. That is who Jesus is. He is the light in the darkness. Now, whether that's Christmas in a manger or, in fact, in this kind of context, a more glorious representation of who he is, he brings light He always has, he is now, and he forever will uh, be and bring light in the darkness. What is darkness? Where is darkness? That's a philosophical question, but we know in our hearts where darkness is harboring, and we know when we are experiencing darkness. And in fact, sometimes we can anticipate what we might see as darkness to come, and Christ always has been, is, and forever will be the light in the darkness. He is the one who speaks light when it is dark. I'm slightly grinning because I'm thinking some of you might think it's a bit dark in here. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's great. Uh, God brings light in the darkness. Are you struggling this morning with something that feels a bit dark? Are you facing a dark scenario? Jesus revealed his light in the dark. That wasn't a hint. <laughs> it wasn't a hint. Uh, he brings light in the darkness and always has. He speaks light. He is light. He is the God who brings all life. 
Let's tease out some of the things here that we see in his slightly bizarre image that John presents to us. First, he's wearing a long robe, um, which is just representing the fact he's a judge. Um, He has, has anybody faced a judge? I've faced a judge once. You can ask me later. I'm not going to tell you, you know, faced a judge. Oh, (laughs) faced a judge. Um, They have some kind of power, don't they? When you have done something wrong, uh, you face a judge, and he or she says something, <laughs> which might include points on your driving license, uh, might include a small fine, maybe, or might include something a little bit more demanding than that. That's what a judge does. And in fact, Jesus is judge. He's judging our lives. In fact, he's the only one who can and should judge. He's, he's the only one who can and should judge us. A little aside, if you're feeling a bit judged by people this morning, uh, we'll be praying that, in fact, you let some of that slip because the only judge is Christ. Christ the Lord Jesus is the only judge of us. And how does he judge us? He's kind, somebody said down here. He's a friend. He's Essentially, he loves us. He's a loving judge. And those of you that have faced a judge before, um, waiting for the sentencing, as it were, generally words like Love you, kind, friend, nice, gracious, merciful, probably aren't the words that spring to mind. Not being rude about our judges in the island, but that's probably not the scenario. Whereas God, Jesus, is our perfect judge. And of course, we'll see here, uh, he paid, because he paid the price for our sins, he can judge us in love. And he does. So, I mean, sometimes we'll talk about how uh, we make, we're set free, we of course are. He's the one who set us free. He's our judge. He's our king. The sash in this picture represents uh, king and kingdomship. Um, and he asks us to follow him like a king would. Uh, we'll be drawing out a little, little later who else we might follow, what else we might follow. But he asks us to follow him. Um, white hair might represent what? Wisdom, say they with white hair. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and of course, no hair are the wisest of them all. Uh, white hair is wisdom. We'll get on to ginger hair later, but white hair, definitely wisdom. Uh, this idea of the ancient of days has been around forever. Um, the eyes that are piercing, I'm going to dwell on this a little, eyes that pierce with refining fire. Um, he sees us. He sees you in ways that nobody else can. And this is rhetorical. I'm not going to ask you to discuss this. How does that make you feel? He sees everything. He sees the best of you, the worst of you, the middle of you, the backside of you, the front side of you, everything that's going on. He sees with his piercing eyes. We can sometimes, I think, be tempted to think that we're not being seen. Uh, Somehow God won't see us. He sees us. He has piercing eyes that sees. It's like that idea of a refining fire. I see, film your thoughts. I see your heart. I see what you're doing. His eyes pierce, uh, pierce through and refine us. Um, feet of bronze is about strength and judgment. Bronze at the time was the strongest, mu- uh, strongest muscle, strongest metal that existed in the time. It's about strength. Of course, Jesus is strong. Uh, he's basing himself on strength. Um, the idea of rushing water His voice sounds like rushing water. Um, What does rushing water perhaps convey to you? Power. Power? Power, yeah. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of power. That's a good idea. 
Freshness was what I was thinking, but power, you think about um, water turning a mill, there's power in that. And freshness, um, rushing water, we all drink, I presume. Even coffee's got water in it, um, preferably fresh water. Uh, we need to live on water. And I just love this idea of refreshing words, refreshing voice. Um, and last not least, his, uh, in fact, the words coming out like a sword, piercing our hearts. He speaks truth with power. Uh, when he speaks and reveals himself, he shows himself in power. And his face shining like the sun. I know that's a bit of a rush, but you get a picture here of who Jesus is. And I'm pausing here because I think if we're not careful, we miss a bit about who he really is. You think about even why we come to church sometimes. Uh, it could be for the coffee. It could be for the chat. It could be for the song. Actually, really, it's to hear and see Jesus somehow, I hope. Um, so let's just pause a moment and take some of this broad chat into a moment of prayer. We're not yet finished. Don't get excited. But we're going to pause here at this moment and just ask God really to reveal something of himself to us away from my chit-chat and just into your hearts and minds. A couple of minutes, we're just going to pause and pray, and I'll, I'll lead through some prayer. And so again, Jesus, we thank you that you are the most loving person we can ever know, that you are our deep friend, that you are kind, and you are Lord. And Jesus, just in these moments, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us, perhaps in ways we've yet to experience. Show us something of you, Lord, we pray. There's a part in the passage today where John was prostrate at Jesus' feet, and Jesus reached down and touched his right arm, I think it says, doesn't it? Just reached down and touched him and said, don't worry. Don't worry. And forever, that's what Jesus has been doing. So again, we're just in an attitude of prayer for a few minutes more. Just remember that's what Jesus does. That's who he is. Lord, thank you that you reach down. You are glorious and holy and amazing and awesome. And you reach. You forever have been reaching. Reaching down and saying, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am for you. This morning, some of you may need to just remind yourself, he reaches into your life. Okay, let's think about a second thought around um, reveal and this idea of revelation. We as church um, are, in the same way that Jesus reveals himself to us, revealing something of Jesus to others, or at least ideally that's what we're here for. Um, and I'd just like to see how this works for us. Um, so there's pictures here of a lamp, and the lamps represented churches at the time, the seven churches that have been referenced in this passage. I'm not going to repeat them. Seven Asian churches, um, like lamps. Um, and they, the lamps were pre-electricity. They didn't have electricity, no shocker. Uh, so oil lamps with a fire, that kind of idea. Needed oil. Um, I was thinking about bringing one this morning. Um, an oil lamp without oil or fire is, is kind of what? I like the word pointless. I wrote, um, at best a decoration, at worst a nuisance. Um, so an oil lamp without fire or oil is at best a decoration in your house, or at worst a nuisance. It's just a nuisance in the way. A church without the oil of the Holy Spirit and without fire of God is at best a decoration, at worst as a nuisance in our communities. We are called to be a lamp, not buried under a bowl as Jesus taught, 
um, but to be a flame on fire, not a decoration and not a nuisance. To instead to be bringing something of Jesus' light, uh, revealing who he is to the community that we're in. And I love this call. This is not a shock to this church, I know, but it remains a constant challenge to all of us, me included, to keep that sort of oil, to use that analogy that's painted here, um, the fuel of the Holy Spirit, a flame, and not to hide it. Um, and just as I was thinking about this, there are a few things I just thought about sometimes our own world. So let's pick out some of who Jesus is, and then sometimes how we might interpret it. So let's go for, um, let's go for the face shining like the sun. Do you, do you know anybody who's radiant visually? Their faces shine like the sun, or close. I hope you know some. Um, some people are quite, you just think they're quite bright and breezy and light and fun. I hope. Got anybody fun in your life? Oh my goodness. Father God, we pray for fun people. Uh, we need a bit more fun. So, um, and I, in fact, I'll, I'll take a negative view. So, um, or, or the flip side for a moment. Um, I do have the privilege of buzzing about different workplaces in the island here as part of my own work. In a given week, I can be in probably 20 different workplaces. It's quite good. It's quite good fun. Uh, some places are quite bright and breezy. In fact, um, the, the YBG group, Young Business Group, who are mostly in the late 20s to 30s, plus John Gollop, um, was quite a bright, like, just quite a bright, breezy place to be. It was fun. It was buzz. It was light. It was bright. Even John was excited. There was just this kind of buzz, right? So all, all quite bright. Um, it got brighter as the bar got drier, but you, you'll sort of see the point there. Um, and then the next day I went to another place that, that's doing some quite interesting things. Um, and it was hard work. You know, like, I'm just asking questions about what's exciting. And it's like pulling teeth, you know, like getting blood out of a stone. Uh, and in fact, one chap I bumped into in the corridor who, who, as it happens, is a professed Christian, he says, um, is the most miserable person. <laughs> I'm sort of sorry for him, really. He's just really miserable all the time. Uh, in fact, I'm not against at all moments of sadness. That, that we, sometimes t- things are tough. There are moments where a bit of upset and a bit of misery is reasonable. Uh, but this, this poor chappy, I think it's a permanent state of misery. Um, and just like he wasn't even, hi, hello, no, it was just, I said, hi, such and such. Um, I hate Mondays. I hate my job. I hate, it's like <laughs> sucking the life out of me just passing in the corridor. Um, and I, it just, I was just thinking about him and some others and me, actually, in the context of revealing something of Jesus and this idea of faces shining like the sun. Um, do you know, sometimes it can be as simple as, I say simple as, reflecting something of God's glory in the scenarios that we're in. Now, here's, here's a really important little bridge because um, the chap I've described, sometimes that can be within us, the chap I've described it's more than just a choice, I think, sometimes, to radiate something of Jesus. Sometimes it's a choice, right? We can choose our attitude. You can choose to be jazz hands, or we can choose to be a bit grumpy. Um, but actually, there's a spiritual battle going on here, too. There is a spiritual dimension, spiritual dynamic going on, uh, where sometimes we are gripped by things that are not of Christ. I hesitate, but I can't help myself now to say the word antichrist in the context of Revelation. Sometimes we are antichrist in our 
choices. It's not a person that we're trying to name. It's kind of within us. And if we're choosing those more negatives, the more misery, or whatever it might be, we'll look at some others in a moment. In fact, that, that's where we have a problem. And I think it's, there's a spiritual dynamic to it. Sometimes it's more than just choose. So this chap who I've now just described slightly comically, I'm just praying that God breaks into his life in a way that's quite miraculous. Because it's not just I wake up and I choose, in his case, I'm sure. Radiating something of Christ. So I'm using him as an example to reflect back to you uh, where you might know you struggle. And it is a spiritual battle. In fact, I'm glad it's a spiritual battle because it was up to just us to be better. We can't. Sometimes we need the power of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit, the oil in the lamp to be lit in ways that we just don't understand. We're not leaving here today before praying for God to move in that way in our lives, to reignite us in the power of his Spirit. Or another example, if it helps you, this idea of refreshing water. Now, Jesus' voice here sounds like refreshing water, refreshing streams. And I think I would just wonder to myself, I wonder how much of my words sound like refreshing streams to others. Mm. <laughs> Not always. Let's just put it like that. And in fact, later on in Revelation, as some of this apocalyptic, you know, end of days language kicks in, there's, there's talk about how rivers are going to be turned to blood and the, we, we can't drink the water. I'm connecting it right back to the way Jesus' voice and his words sound like encouragement and refreshment. And now I'm challenged. Are my words encouraging and refreshing to others? Sometimes, not always, right? So, um, again, personal challenge here um, is the words we say, the stuff we engage in, particularly in this day and age where it's just very tempting to um, slip into some negative chatter, and the keyboard warrior type stuff negatively um, is really tempting. It's there. We're called to be different and better and reveal Jesus. That doesn't necessarily mean posting a passage on Facebook, although you can, of course, if you want to. Sometimes it just means not engaging in a negative chat so that our words are like a refreshing stream rather than whatever the opposite is. Right? And then the word of God comes like a piercing sword. Are we bringing something of God's word to people in our community? I'm now a bit nervous because I'm not necessarily asking us to go around with our Bibles and say, Alan, Alan, (laughs) like that. Uh, It might just, sorry, (laughs) you're in a deep reflective phase right there, Um, like just to necessarily preach words of Bible, Um, although that might be fine. Um, slight aside, do you remember sometimes there were people in town that used to have little whiteboards and paint and stuff? Yeah, so maybe that's fine. Um, in my dad's day, it was um, a bit of amateur dramatics in London. Uh, used to throw pies at each other in town in the name of the Lord somehow. Um, not sure how that works, but maybe. Um, sometimes, you know, it's just discern- hearing something of God and thinking, I just need to stop the car, pull over, send a little text message to somebody that says, just so you know, you're on my mind. I think God says, dot, dot, dot. He loves you. He's there for you. He cares for you. That is so powerful in moments. Have you experienced that sometimes? Someone just drops a word in or writes a letter. Lucy's brilliant at writing letters. Just drops a word in, writes a letter, uh, sends something, and the timeliness is just profound. 
When God speaks like that, it lasts a long time. It needn't be an easel in town, but just being aware that the Spirit's working in and through you and dropping you a line is really, really powerful. That word of God, being open to it. Um, and do you know, sometimes that means we have to give something up of ourselves. I'm not going to dwell on that too long. But John here, let's not forget, John's writing this from exile because he's gone against um, people of his day. Let's not get distracted. As church, we need to not be a decoration or a nuisance. We need to let the oil of our lamp, if you like, be in- inflamed by the power of the Spirit. My last point, which I'm going to mention really briefly. Two minutes, Max. Um, is this, that um, sometimes I think uh, we can approach Revelation with this idea that we must get ourselves into a bit of a frenzy um, if the end of the world is nigh. Um, those of you with children, maybe even without children, might use this phrase, do you know what, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Have you ever used the phrase? I say that to Hope sometimes, and then she'll start saying it. It's not the end of the world. It's just slime, right? It's not the end of the world uh, or something. You know, I've lost my iPad. It's not the end of the world. Um, and we, you know, we, we colloquially use the phrase as if the end of the world is a dreadful thing. Um, I'm, I'm quite a fan of apocalyptic type films. If you've ever watched any, you know, the end of the world. Uh, and there's a fairly classic genre about that, as in panic and fear and drama. Um, And in fact, Revelation, the whole book of Revelation, lends itself to that kind of attitude. I'm not sure that's what Jesus is asking of us. And in just a couple of headlines in two minutes, I think he's saying, look, if our attitude is one that he could come back in 5,000 years or tomorrow, that's kind of what he's after, I think. It could be tomorrow. It could be thousands of years away. Um, If we're trying to guess... I'm, I'm bit, I think that's a bit of a distraction. If, if Jesus does come back tonight, how would you feel, I suppose, is a rhetorical question. It might be something to chat about over lunch. That would be a great one, wouldn't it? If God comes back tomorrow, how do you feel? Well, what's your response? Because he might. But it might be, be 5,000 years. Our attitude is one of waiting for him anyway, waiting expectantly rather than it's not yet, so I'll behave like this, or I can get away with it for now. But right through to we wait, we wait well. Uh, he is coming soon, but that could be thousands of years away, or tonight. Um, the second is that, uh, as part of that, is that um, I'm not convinced that as, as he comes again, that it's an opportunity for us to panic and freak out. Stuff Bad stuff will happen, and bad stuff is happening, and bad stuff has happened, and God's coming again. Um, So there'll be parts of our lives that might end. I mean, maybe literally they'll end. One day they will all end. We'll all end. I'm sort of sorry. That's a bit dramatic, but we'll die, Uh, and we will rise again. Uh, Maybe in our little lives there are little things that we need to give up, and we will rise again. He is coming soon. But it's not necessarily drama and panic, necessarily. I'm not saying it's lovely, but difficult things are not necessarily drama and panic. He is coming again. And the third, and therefore we will, the third point here is we will pray for this now. 
that he therefore fills us with his spirit, that we know his power, his place, his presence, who he is, uh, who he wants us to be um, as he is coming again in these moments. Let's do that now. Let's just pause and pray for that. Let's pray for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, I thank you that this is not all there is. I'm really grateful. I love this church. I love the island. I love lots of things. Uh, But I thank you that there is more than just this. That there is more. There is heaven. There is you. There is glory. There is a spiritual battle at work somewhere that we don't fully understand. But we know because we read and we believe that you are Lord of all. You are in charge. You are in control. You speak. You have all power, all authority all love, and we pray, Lord, just in these moments, by the power of your Spirit, that you'd fill us afresh with your oil, if that image helps, or you light us up by your power so that we can reveal you in this community. We don't want to be a decoration. We don't want to be a nuisance. We want to be a lamp that's on fire. Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, stir us this morning in these moments, we pray.